G'day guys, and welcome back to our latest Glory Days episode. And what a ripper this one is, looking back at the mighty Baldale Magpies Premiership glory in the 1972 Hume Football League season. They only lasted one more year, but they went out with a bang in 1972. Before we start, a huge thanks to our episode sponsors, Federation Council, Our Town Baldale Incorporated, Laser Electrical Aubrey Wodonga and the Waldron family. Okay, let it rip, Robbie. G'day all, great to have you back and I'm excited to share this amazing yarn about Baldale's season in the 1972 Hume League. A large part of the episode is reflections on the season from the coach Dick Grimman, his larrikin sidekick and assistant coach Les Waldron, while defender Alan Chapman, whose memory and recollection of the year was just amazing, relives some of the great moments along the way with Mickey Seymour as well. You'll also hear from opposition players, including Hume League Hall of Fame inductee Merv Wegner and Walbundry legend John Fowler. So take yourself back into a time, back in the 70s. Enjoy what I think is a bloody good yarn and a look back to a historical time in community football at its finest. This is Baldale, 1972, the final quarter. It was wonderful. It was the most wonderful thing that ever happened to me in sport. I played a lot of sport and uh, it was uh, just uh, an absolute revelation to win a premiership in the company of players with the skill and ability that those guys had and the sort of blokes they are. It was just a real wonderful thing to be there with them. No, it was terrific. And I mean, it was 50 years ago and I've never forgotten it. I remember the whole thing very, very well. The Baldale Football Club started in 1906 and disbanded in 1974. In the seven decades, the club and community survived two world wars, a global pandemic, drought and the depression. They were a resilient lot and hung on for as long as they could as the shortage of footballers and playing numbers were taking its toll. But they craved one more premiership, one more moment of glory. Since the elation of the 1962 Hume Football League Premiership, the Magpies' next decade was very bleak, with just one finals appearance in 1965, being surrounded by four wooden spoons and second last on three occasions. The 1971 season finished with Baldale finishing ninth under the coaching of Les Waldron, who after arriving at Baldale as a player in 1969, had coached in both 1970 and 71. Les explains. Well, I first went to Baldale in 69 when Ken Kane, Dick and I, great mate, Got the coaching job, he moved from Canberra and I'd been uh, at Albury, captain of the Albury Seconds the previous year and Ken asked me to go out to Baldale. So I went out to Baldale as a player. The following two years I was appointed coach in 70, coach again in 71 and uh, that's how I got beat Baldale. They were a tremendous club and not much success but uh, good people. Les Waldron, however, had a plan and used his sales background skills into recruiting some genuine top-end talent to the club, including a real big fish, a 100-game player at Richmond in the VFL. Waldron explains. I sort of was offered the job again in 73, but look, 72, sorry, 72. We'd finished last, second last in 71, and I thought of just a change of uh, coach or voice sort of thing, and, and I knew we had the nucleus of a, a team because we had a Brian Cotton fullback, Joe Anderson sat half back, 
We had Johnny Hamilton, Johnny Harris on the wings, Tommy Grock and myself roving. So, and we had Chapman boys, Mickey Seymour, who left, he would come back from Corowar. He'd won the second's best and fairest in the ovens of Murray. Murray McCook come home yeah. to look, look after the farm. So they were, they committed to Bulldog. So I knew we had the side, mm. but we needed a... Few to top it off. Uh, top it off and a coach. So luckily Dick and I played a lot of golf together at Hume. And we did run into each other at Corriong. Liz was the rep for Borough Pears yeah. and I was the rep for Red Tulip Chocolates and, and we used to spend one night a week in Corriong. We somehow managed to turn up and uh, stay at the motel and uh, yeah. uh, he might have dropped the question on me during that time while we were before the season had started that. And I was looking for somewhere else to go or though I hadn't thought of Baldale in my wildest dreams or or that sort of thing. I said to Lizzie, I'll probably be going somewhere else and he gave me the word and uh, he went and saw him and I told him what I wanted and... Um was it anywhere near the rate he was on the previous couple of years, or did you trump him? No, no, no I think me. I trumped him. And when Dick, I asked, I had Dick, a better I, resume. <laughs> that's right, he certainly did. That but, VFL experience, eh? Yeah. He, uh, when he told me what he wanted, of course, I had to go back to the, the Baldale and Barry Lucky, the policeman. He was the just appointed president, and uh, I spoke to him about that, and he said, "Yeah, well, we can afford uh, that type of money." I said, "Well." To be honest, we might have to find a little bit more because I would like to ask Dick to come out and coach the current team. We just need a top-up. That was all right. I went back and Dick, Dick said, all right. And I sat down with Dick He said, mm-hmm. and we said, we needed a ruckman, needed a centre-half forward. Dick Grimman played 102 games at Richmond from his debut in 1959 to his final game in 1964. He then coached North Hobart for two years in 1965 and 66, where he also represented Tasmania. Grimman was then recruited to Wodonga in the Ovens and Murray Football League in 1967, where he stayed until the end of the 1971 season, playing in the Bulldogs' first ever Ovens and Murray Football League Premiership in 1967 and another flag in 1969. So with Grimman locked in and coach Les Waldron as his assistant, the Magpies had set a solid base to add more recruits for a tilt at finals and who knows, possibly a premiership. All four finalists from 1971 had lost a lot of players and were not expected to be as strong. This added great incentive for teams like Baldale to make an immediate rise up the ladder. Grimman and Waldron sensed this and put together a powerful list. I knew Hutton pretty well, Dennis Hutton, the ex-Corowa player. Well, you're actually, sorry, Dick, Peter Wilshire is the one that you wanted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I w- and Frankie Cook, you told me. Yeah, wanted them as well, but I wanted Dennis first as yeah, well, uh, number one ruckman sort yeah, of stuff. Well, we've got a story about Dennis at the end of the, All the right, day. Okay. All right, we, But anyway, Peter Wilshire and Frankie Cook. They Dick, were playing Dick, for Barnawatha the year yeah. before. And we also got Malcolm McCullough from there too. Because he was a mate of uh, uh, Frankie he, Cook. He, Frankie Cook worked for Malcolm. They were the three of them were at Barney. Well, so the local copper was the local was the president. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty handy thing to have in the back pocket, <laughs> isn't it? Very lucky, yeah. Yeah. And he was a player too. He was. Uh, well, me and Les had to then, once he got the okay from Baldale, uh, go out recruiting sort of thing. And so we said that the club had, or they said the club would pay me, and we'd raises the money to pay the players, the ones that we 
I picked, you know, the rest of them played for nothing. So uh, we got together and we did a couple of raffles, Les, and that, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. We ran them at the pubs and go around <laughs> and get them. But a lot of other teams felt that we bought the premiership and it was wrong. By getting Dick, you know, I knew we were going to attract players because he was recognised as a, and he was, a good player. I played golf with Adrian Chisnell, who had a run with Essendon, played for Corrawar and Aubrey. Aubrey, yeah. And he was sort of uh, give, going to give it away and I used to play golf. Mm. And I told him about the, what we got at Baldale and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, what about you? And I said, anyway, thank heaven you don't want to commit because you wouldn't make it, Adrian. <laughs> well, that was like waving a red, bull, <laughs> a red rag at a bull because next week he was a trainer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he never cost us anything. Bobby Thompson, who won our best and fairest in 72, played squash with Bob. He was to the same. No, yeah. Not that I said you wouldn't make it, Bob, but but <laughs> he come along too. But he He's a good player. Oh, he won our best and fairest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he captained Aubrey previous, but he was at he had given it away. But he was committed to cricket in that seventy two preseason because they won for St Pat's. They won the premiership, mm. but he come aboard. But see, there's two players that we got only through Dick and, and other ones. Knowing, yeah, knowing people, you know. Kenny Kane, as I spoke to, coach in 69, great mates of Dick's and mine, but especially Dick, went to CBC school together. School together, yeah. He come, he come and played with Dick. So there was another one that we got. And uh, with Dennis Hutton, get back to Dennis Hutton, we were trying to get Dennis, mm. wouldn't play. Anyway, we are at this. Gloucester, I think, Dick, one Friday night about two weeks before we played and we'd been having a few beers and Dennis was there and anyway. Yeah, yeah, He said, he said uh, oh, a, he was a house part, a painter. He said, look, if you, you give me a job out there of painting the house or something. So we said we could paint the clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so we bought about 10, 10 litres of white paint, paint. 10 <laughs> litres of black paint because we're black and white and he painted the clubhouse and he, he, that's how we got We signed him. we got him. <laughs> so I so don't do Get him a job at Baldale paint the house, but we got him paint the clubhouse. Also new to the club was Alan Chapman, who had played over 200 games at Barnawaffa. He explains how he made it to Baldale and a few teammates from Barney as well. Played a couple of hundred games. I'd been there for a generation or more. And work was a bit of a thing because I was working down at Mates at the time as a trainee manager and they weren't too happy about me playing footy, so I thought time to give it up. But then I had to talk to Leslie, who was a long-time mate of mine, Leslie Waldron, and he said, well, if you're leaving Barnaworth, mate, come out and have a kick with Baldo because we're putting a side together out here and I think it might be all right. You'll enjoy it out here and like him. So I said, yeah, fine. I'll do it. So that's that's how I sort of, that was the entree into Baldale. Wasn't it? There were five of us went, uh, but the, the funny thing is there wasn't much talk about it. It wasn't, though it wasn't a conspiracy that five of us were going out there. In fact, I got a bit of a surprise when I lobbed out that and all those other blokes were there. <laughs> but the uh, blokes I've been playing with for years, like Peter Wiltshire and Johnny Hamilton and Malcolm McAuliffe, they were good players. There, there was no sort of reason for that happening, it just happened. Baldale conducted its pre-season at either Bilson Park or Norriel Park on a Tuesday and then out to Baldale on a Thursday, as Dick Grimman explained. I don't know whether we sought permission or not. We This is going back 50 years, of course. Um, we just sort of went to uh, Norriel, said we were training at Norriel or we're training at Bilson's. Earlier on, it was at Norriel, closer to the river, and you can go and have a swim after training. Now, I wasn't a really hard trainer myself, so I never really pushed the blokes. But if I wanted to give them a bit extra, 
I handed over to my assistant coach in Les. Les. And he'd run them harder than, than I would, if you know what I mean. He'd take them on. And Chizzy would be saying, when's that little bastard going to stop you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they complained, but that's the sort of thing we did. And Bilson's, we'd go back to the star and have a few when we'd finished training. And at uh, Norio, we go to the gloss. Not on Thursday, we went out to Ballwell. Well, it was fairly hard, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was sort of tufty, if you know what I mean. But it was always pretty good, I thought. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a slant down one end, and um, no, I thought it was, was the year we were there, it wasn't bad, anyhow. There was worse grounds than Baldale. The Magpies rounded off its pre-season with practice matches away to Rennie and a trip to Kudjiwar, as Les and Dick explain. Dick used to go to Kudjiwar to uh, pack a... Kakuk. Pack a Kakuk store, and he was Kudjiwar. So Dick organised a practice match with Kudjiwar, Benny Byatt from yep. Footscray. Yeah. So we got a bus and all went up to Kudjiwar one Sunday morning to play the practice match. That was the only loss we had for the year because they beat us. But, yeah. uh, but that was a tremendous trip. We had a great time on the bus. And was that a pre-season game? Or? Yeah, yeah, pre-season. Yeah. Just a pre-season. So you had a pre-season game up at Cudgewall. Cudgewall, yeah, yeah, yeah. It went by bus. All of the players went up and we had a tremendous Stay time. Stay the night or? No, no, no. no come back on, home, come yeah, on. Not that far. Mm. <laughs> we only allowed the bus driver to have 12 beers before he had to drive. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had yeah. a designated driver and not drinker. But, uh, but it was a great day. That sort of got us together and... and as I say, it was the only game we've lost, actually. We played a couple. We went out to uh, Rennie, played Rennie. Round one of the 1972 season was a visit to Walbundry, who were beaten grand finalists the previous season under the coaching of former Dedarang star Jeff Doubleday. Baldale made the best possible start, crushing the Tigers by 83 points, with Les Waldron kicking five goals and 1970 I medalist Fred Allendy booting four. Dick Grimman stamped his debut with a best-on-ground showing, while speedster Johnny Hamilton and Murray McCook stood out. The Magpies' first home game was against Jindra, who had been thrashed by Rand the week before in round one. The talking point of the game was the incredibly poor goal-kicking from both sides. Baldale kicked 11-22, while Jindra kicked two goals 15. That included 13 straight behinds after quarter time. 50 scoring shots for the game, netted just 13 goals. A dominant ruck display from Peter Wilshire, four goals from Johnny Hamilton and a superb defender's game from Bobby Cottam were the highlights for Baldale as they took top spot on the ladder. Next up was a trip to Waller, who after missing finals the previous year were expected to be a genuine contender for yet another premiership assault for the Grasshoppers. Baldale had not beaten Waller in the last 10 years and when Waller led by 23 points at half-time, the trend looked likely to continue as the speedy home side were running the more physical Magpies ragged. Some positional changes, including Dick Grimman onto the ball after being well held by Waller young gun Bevan Odewan in the first half, made a massive difference as Baldale turned on a brilliant second half to stun the home side. Peter Wiltshire and Dennis Hutton dominated the ruck, Johnny Hamilton with five goals and Murray McCook four, set up the 37-point victory and made it three wins to start the season. Rand and Osborne were also unbeaten. Alan Chapman said the game set the scene for the rest of the season. They, they got out of the blocks like uh, Waller always seemed to do. They had a lot of young, fit blokes. 
I think there was a little bit of sort of argy bargy between Waller and uh, Baldale. Baldale hadn't won a, never hadn't won it at Waller for ten years. Well, those are all things we didn't really know at the time because uh, most of the blokes out there at Baldale were for, uh, from other places. They didn't know the football politics in the Hume League, but uh, you know they expected to win out there, and it was a very big crowd. Yeah, they they got off to a really really strong start, and uh, Baldale was is always a little bit slow getting going. But we got, we got after half time. We we were down at half time. I think pretty comprehensively. But uh, in the in the second half, the steadiness and physical strength of Baldale got them over the line. It it would have been a shock to them, and I didn't realise until a bit later in the year just how much of a shock it would have been to them because of their attitude, you know, I, I didn't predict that. But, yeah, when we went to the pub after the game, which footballers do, and all footballers are good blokes, especially country footballers, probably the reception in the Waller pub wasn't quite what, what we expected. Weren't too keen on talking to us, and they certainly didn't want to talk about the game. So we had a few beers and, and went, and I don't think the Waldo blokes didn't care too much, but it, it would sort of set the stage for the rest of the year as far as Waller was concerned. They were they were the ones that we were going to beat. Because there was a lot of talk, especially the old blokes in the pub. I can remember right at the start of the year the old blokes saying, oh, yeah, well, you blokes will win some games early on, but you wait, you know, you too old, too slow, and the ground's big and the weather's hot, and, of course, it's it was a drought year which is pretty much every year at the Hume League, but it was really was dry that year. Of course, as it panned out, they weren't that far wrong, those blokes. They, they, <laughs> that nearly happened. Round four, and the Magpies were home to the Peewees from Boree Creek, who were in their third season of the Hume League after crossing over from the Corrine Football League. The Peewees had finished last in its first two years, and after the first three rounds of 1972, were in the same position. A big victory was expected for Baldale, but even its most avid supporters would not have expected the pounding that they gave the visitors as they had 72 scoring shots to six in their massive scoreline of 36-36, 252 to six goals straight, 36. Baldale set the tone for a tough day when they kicked 12 goals, 10 in the opening quarter. Johnny Hamilton, Les Waldron, Dennis Hutton and John Harris all kicked six goals, while Tommy Grotch snagged four. Les and Dick said the local lads were fascinated by the nearby trains. Play uh, Bory Creek. I happened to kick six in the last half, <laughs> but we beat them 36-36 to six. <laughs> six straight. <laughs> to six goals. There couldn't have been any trains going past the ground. Any trains? Yeah, they all stopped, stopped and watched the train go past. Little Paddy, what was your name, Paddy? Paddy coaching them. Paddy was coaching them and, uh, and we were playing them anyway. The train went by and next minute Paddy said to the boy at the Boring Creek players, for Christ's sake, haven't you blokes seen a train before? We're playing football. <laughs> that was all. That was true. They're all... <laughs> Where was it? Which ground was this at? Out of Boring Creek. At Boring Creek. <laughs> Uh, so what train line was that? Oh, uh, to what? It might have been Baldale, Liz. Okay, it might have been Baldale. Like yeah. But anyway, somewhere. Because there's a train line there. So yeah, we're oh, well, Baldale, they were fascinated by the train, they were they? They were fascinated <laughs> by the train. Little Paddy was very, uh, very upset about it. Have you seen the train? Well, there you go. Quite remarkably, Borey Creek bounced back in round five to defeat Walbundry by two points. This was only the second win for Borey Creek in its 41st game since joining the league. Borey Creek finished last in all its six years in the Hume League before heading back to the Corrine League after the 1975 season. While Bundry star John Fowler recalls the upset. I'd been kicking a few goals and the selectors at Wabundi must have thought, 
I needed disciplining for whatever reason. I can't remember. And they put me on the back flank. Boree Creek had an upset win. The next week I was back at centre-half forward. But oh, I, I hated losing, but especially when I couldn't um, kick goals. To Anyway, they put me back there for one game and made history that Boree Creek had only won that game in about 40-something games. So it was an emb- embarrassing loss. Suck eggs, the selectors at the time. Boree Creek had an unusual side. They, they had a guy that used to play in bare feet. True story. He... Uh, Played all right. You wouldn't be going to go and jump on his toes because Borey Creek didn't mind a scrap. If it was one in, it was all in. So um, a, a football, you, you see it up in the Northern Territory. The Aboriginals sometimes play without boots, but this guy uh, might have been Lenny Pierce. He, he played without boots. Very unusual. Baldale made it five in a row, despite missing six regulars with a hard-fought win over Osborne at Osborne. The Magpies trailed at quarter time and held a slender two-point lead at halftime before powering away with a seven-goal third term to clinch a 24-point victory. Leslie Waldron was brilliant up forward with six goals, while Arnie Spence with five and Johnny Hamilton four goals complemented the great work of Waldron. Dennis Hutton and Jimmy Everett were both superb in the second-half dominance. Osborne coach and former Henty star Brian Spencer booted eight goals for Osborne. Les and Dick spoke about the Osborne ground. But just getting back to the MCG, there'd be no difference to the MCG than Osborne. <laughs> you go out to Osborne <laughs> just to shed. Just to yeah, shed. I, there, I couldn't believe it when I first played at Osborne, just going out there was just a shed at the footy ground. No houses, no, no pub, no nothing. <laughs> But, you yeah. know, so that would have been a culture yeah. shock to Dick. They had those big, were they Patterson's Curse uh, <laughs> heads in the ground. They'd been, the flowers had been knocked off, but the big cabbages were still there. <laughs> and the cricket pitch in the metal was there too. And I think it had buckshot on it because I, I went down on it. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether I did or my opponent did, but he come up with a bit of blood coming off him from gravel rash. Back at home, the Magpies encountered plenty of resistance and fight from Burren Buttick, with the game still in the balance at three-quarter time, with Baldale leading by nine points. However, the emerging Premiership favourites found top gear, with a five-goal-to-nil final term to win by 41 points. Arnie Spence with four goals and three-edge to Johnny Hamilton and Tommy Grotch. Peter Wiltshire was best on ground, dominating in the ruck. Alan Chapman said Grimman and Waldron were a terrific coaching pair. Well, he had 100 games experience in the VFL at the time and a lot of Ovens and Murray footy behind him and he had Les, who was terrific with, with coaching experience and he's a great player and they were both great players. Tactically, they were terrific. But, uh, I mean, if you look at the quality, the, the quality of those blokes, experience and the quality of them, you can understand why they could, you know, why they were so successful. Yeah, Dick was terrific, you know, but I think as a tactician, I don't know as much as I'd love to say that it's... You know, perhaps it's the tactics, but it wasn't. I think it was mostly just the, the players were so good. Yeah, no, just basic stuff. I don't remember any very complicated strategic discussions on what we had to do, and that there was a lot, not a lot of changes made on the ground generally. I think he was just pretty much picked the side that he thought was going to win the game and mostly stuck to it, and that's what happened. Baldo made the short trip to Brocklesby for round seven and came away with a very easy 113-point win to remain unbeaten and one game clear of Rand on the ladder after the Pigeons lost their first game to last year's Premier's How Long. Peter Wiltshire, enjoying a run-up forward booting five goals, was outstanding. The same amount as Les Waldron with the consistent Johnny Hamilton kicking three goals. Jimmy Everett and Kenny Kane were others to shine. 
Round eight was the final chance for players across the league to impress Hume League selectors ahead of the following week's representative clash with the Corrine League. That would be the first ever appearance by Hume in the North East Minor League Championship. Baldale's opponent at home was second place Rand, who were without star forward Tom Noble, who was still in hospital after suffering a ruptured spleen the previous week against Howlong. The injury would rule Noble out for the remainder of the season. Rand were also without coach Lyle Benny and ruckman Ross Nixon. In contrast, Baldale were at full strength, with coach Dick Grimman and forward Murray McCook back from injury. Despite the injuries, Rand started superbly to lead by two goals at quarter time. The second quarter was the difference as Baldale added six goals to one and took the upper hand, which they maintained for the rest of the contest, winning by 42 points. McCook kicked four on return, while Al Cochran, Adrian Chisnell and Bobby Thompson never let the Rand side any chance after quarter time. A fiery Jindra versus Burren Buttock clash resulted in Mike Peach reported for striking Noel Kirk, the father of Sydney Swans legend, Brett Kirk. All the attention and excitement turned to the Hume League's interleague clash at Corrine against its near rivals, Corrine Football League. Baldale were represented by three players, Dick Grimman, Les Waldron and Peter Wiltshire in front of a crowd of over 2,000. Les and Dick got lost on the way to Corrine and it was the start of a bad day for Les, as they both explained. There's a crowd there. Out at, we, we played them out there. At Corrine. Yeah, once Leslie found the ground. <laughs> it can be tricky to find that joint, can't it, Les? What happened, Les? Oh, oh I got, got a bit... Uh, we got there late. late. We got there late, but we... And, uh, How late? Oh, no, I wish we, I'd never got there in a way because uh, there's a story to tell there too because... Well, where you go. Where Billy Barton was coach, Dick was assistant, I think, and <laughs> I was roving and the first quarter started and we're about five or ten minutes into the quarter. I'd got the ball and Dick was about 30 metres away. I just popped it over a bloke's head and my knee went, you know, and I was bloody feeling it. And anyway, Billy Barton came up and said, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. I said, I've something done to my knee. So I'll go in the forward pocket. Well, I was flat out getting down in the forward pocket. Anyway, they just carried me off. That was it? Yeah, I was buggered. You did have a tough day. Yeah, only about five minutes. He's soft. I thought he was a bit soft. He didn't do the right warm-up, did he? (laughs) No, I was there late, see? The Hume team contained 12 players with senior Ovens and Murray experience, and this played a big part in the 122-point thrashing they gave the Corrine League. Billy Barton played an absolute blinder, having 42 kicks and five goals to be best of field. John Fowler, who booted four goals himself, Explains more. Rep footy got going in the game like because Courage Breweries were just getting going in opposition to Carlton United and they sponsored the Hume League and we wore their red and yellow jumpers and there was a fair few O&M players drifting out the Hume League and the Hume League had a very good side that year, um, especially Baldale um, and Waller had some good players and um, we kicked a big score uh, that day and it was a big crowd, I think 2,000 people. And yeah, it was a good game. I can vividly remember it and... Uh, because we had such a talented side, everyone sort of uh, gave the ball to each other and, and, and teamed well and had a big victory. But Bill Barton, he was best around, but he was drifting down in the forward line. He was taking marks in the forward pockets. Maybe um, a bloke could have got a few more, but Bill was everywhere, like chicken man. He was everywhere. And he, he had a great game. Bill was a very, very good bush footballer at a number of clubs. But in those days, it was a real honour to to wear the, the league jumper and, and nearly all the good guys played so you saw a really good standard of football. More memorable games was 
up at Ungary in 1974, I played centre half forward. Terry Danaher was having his, I think, his first year of senior football. Uh, he played with with Ungary. He got best on ground. Skinny little ruck rover. The next year, South Melbourne drafted him, and uh, yeah, he played well. Got best on ground. I played on um, Tim Sanson's uncle. A Sunday rugby player, uh, sadly Aussie rules. Well, he was pretty rugged, but I got four on him and we had a good win and um, brushed shoulders with, with Terry Danaher. To complete the halfway point of the home and away season, Baldale hosted last year's premiers How Long at Baldale. The Spiders' season was on the line going into the match with just four wins and four losses. The Magpies were never troubled and put the Spiders' final hopes in jeopardy with an impressive 76-point hiding to finish the halfway point of the season, two games and a healthy percentage clear of Waller and Rand, with Osborne a further game behind in fourth place. Round 10 and Baldar welcomed second last Walbundry, who had only won one game and they were a shadow of the team that made the 1971 grand final. The Tigers, however, defied its form and ladder position by giving the Magpies a huge fright. Baldale led by just three points at the last change and it took a commanding display from Peter Wiltshire and four goals from Frank Cook to get them home in its closest and lowest scoring game of the season. After a tight first quarter at Jindra, the Magpies were able to take control for the remainder of the game with Les Waldron, Dick Grimman, Alan Chapman and Mal McAuliffe in wonderful form. The win made it 11 in a row for Baldale. Meanwhile, in other matches, Waller knocked Rand out of second place with a 12-point win. Baron Buddick upset an injury play Gosbin to keep their finals hopes alive. And Brocklesby and Boree Creek played out a 55-point all draw. Next up was the match of the season in round 12 against Waller, who had not lost a game since the two teams played in round three. They were without coach Bruce Diffie and brother Austin for the clash. The game did not disappoint, with Waller kicking the opening four goals to lead at quarter time by 13 points, and then hit the front again in the third quarter after Baldale had fought back to lead at half time. The move of Frank Cook to full forward changed the game, as Baldale booted five straight goals to lead by 25 points going into the last quarter. Led superbly by Dick Grimman and John Harris, the Magpies ran out 30 point winners, with Cook finishing with five goals. A highlight of round 12 was Rand spearhead Peter Matthews booting 14 goals against Boree Creek to be just three goals behind Wallace Gary Micken who booted five against Baldale. Rand's percentage booster took them back into second place. A bye next week for the interleague clash at Brocklesby between the Hume and the Upper Murray Football League with four Baldale players, Dick Grimman, Les Waldron, Frank Cook and Peter Wiltshire playing in what turned out to be a bad day for the Hume League. In a classic contest, the game was in the balance right to the end, with Hume having kicked the first two goals of the final term to hit the front before Upper Murray legend Kevin Mack turned the game. Mack moved onto the ball and ignited the Mountain Men to boot the final four goals and storm home to victory by 24 points in front of a huge crowd. Dick Grimman, who was vice-captain, was the best of the Baldale contingent. Waller Ruckman Merv Wegner spoke about the style of play in that era. The football in those days, you know, we didn't do the running that they do now. It was a different style of game and I think in some ways it probably was one of the reasons why some players played for a long time. In that era, just relax a bit more. You didn't, uh, you, you know, you'd take a mark and 
go back and have a long kick and that sort of thing. You know, it slowed the game down a bit. And then the other thing that I liked about it too was we, we kicked to a contest. Today, especially AFL footy, it's a game of keepings off. Footy, to me, I used to enjoy it, and even I used to enjoy the early AFL, where they'd kick to a contest yep. and see who's the best mark or who's best on the ground. That was uh, a feature, I reckon, of the footy uh, during the, the times that I played. I played a lot of uh, my football wrestling in the back pocket. Uh, like I rucked a lot, then uh, you'd have a rest and uh, I, I did it in the back pocket. Yeah, see, I, often in, in the footy that I played, we used to have four ruck. Uh, it was only later where they entered what they called a, uh, a ruck rover. The big result of round 13 was Rand defeating Osborne by 48 points and sliding Osborne out of the top four for the first time this season. Burren Buttick slipped into the four, while Howlong were equal with both Osborne and Burren Buttick. Baldale, with Les Waldron kicking eight goals and Noel Chapman three, were too strong for Boree Creek, who did manage to kick four goals in a bright second term. Baldale were now three games clear and odds-on favourites to take out the 1972 Premiership. Baldale inflicted Osborne's fourth loss in five games, dropping them to sixth place with a commanding 67-point win with Frank Cook booting seven and Les Waldron five. Dennis Hutton, Murray McCook and Johnny Hamilton were all outstanding for the Magpies. Defending Premiers Howlong moved into fourth position after Rand accounted for Burren Buttick. Eight goals to Johnny Fowler gave Walbundry just its second win of the season. The league's goal-kicking title was an enthralling battle with Peter Matthews on 82, leading Gary Micken from Waller on 78. Osborne coach Brian Spencer was on 72 and John Fowler on 61. How long's Jeff Grace was the only player in Hume Football League history to have reached the magical century of golds when he kicked 118 back in 1954. Baldale assistant coach Les Waldron celebrated his 100th Hume League match in round 15 with four golds in the Magpies' 51-point win over Burren Buttick. Waldron took his gold tally to 55. He had previously played 46 games with Rand. The big win officially wrapped up the minor premiership with Alan Chapman, Ken Kane, Dennis Hutton and Peter Wiltshire all dominating in the second half after Baldale led by just nine points at the main break. Wiltshire injured his hamstring late in the game, an injury that plagued him for the remainder of the season. The dynamic duo of Frank Cook and Les Waldron kicked 12 goals between them as Baldale belted Brocklesby by 84 points at Baldale. Adrian Chisnell was outstanding for the home side, along with Bob Rahali and Bob Thompson. Alan Chapman was having a very consistent season in defence and only recently found out his season had been rewarded almost 50 years ago, as Chapman explains. Oh, well, that was Les, if you know Les. He does unusual things on occasion. He's a terrific bloke. But I was out at out of his place uh, just organising one of the reunions. I think it was the last one. Yeah, and, and I was down in his garage and he had a big board with all sorts of things up on it to do with um, Baldale history and, and the award winners. And I was just looking at it. I saw my name there and it said most consistent, A. Chapman. I said, Lizzie, mate, what, what's happened here? I didn't know I got most consistent. I mean, that was a pretty good thing in that year with the people that I was playing footy with. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I, I, I didn't quite believe him, but anyway, he said, no, you're definitely going. I said, why didn't I get it on the awards night? I was there. And he said, oh, we must have just overlooked it, mate. I said, oh, okay, well, I'm happy to get the most consistent, even if it was 40 years after the game, but <laughs> there you go. 
A narrow two-point win by Osborn over Jindra and the loss by Howlong to Rand had Osborn returned to fourth place. Their last three wins had all been by less than a goal. Round 17 was a perfect finals dress rehearsal as Baldile made the trip to Pigeon Park to take on Rand, who were in a great tussle with Waller to take second place and the double chance. With Waller easily beating Osborn by 57 points, Rand had to beat Baldile to keep second position. They gave it a real shake, with inaccuracy being their downfall, as they went into the last quarter just two points behind, despite having eight more scoring shots. Tommy Grock led the visitors home in the final term, booting two crucial goals in his game tally of four. Baldile got home by 22 points, despite a season-low score. Ram were best served by then Urana Shire councillor Angus McNeil. Going into the final round, there were positions inside the top four up for grabs, as well as fourth place, with Howlong holding a slight percentage advantage over Osborne, but had a game against unbeaten Baldile, while Osborne were playing bottom side Boree Creek. The other intrigue was around the goal-kicking race to the century, with 19-year-old Peter Matthews from Rand on 98 and Waller's 18-year-old gun Gary Micken on 96. Matthews brought up the 100. He booted five against Walbundry to finish on 103. However, Micken turned on a masterclass against Burren Buttick, kicking 12 goals to bring up the 100 and take out the league goal-kicking award with 108, five ahead of Matthews. Not only did the dozen golds win the goal-kicking title for Micken, it also won him the 1972 As I Medal for the Hume Football League's best and fairest player. Micken's three votes had him finish one vote ahead of Howlong's Roy Batson, who had won the award back in 1967. Micken at 18 became the youngest ever winner of the As I Medal, being three months younger than 1971 winner Jack O'Halloran from Howlong. Micken became the sixth Waller player to win the award, his 1972 teammate Merv Wegner, who won the award in both 1961 and 64, spoke about Gary Micken. Two great players and, and young players coming, you know, starting, coming through. And for them to be that good and to kick the, the 100 goals, each of them, uh, was a tremendous performance. And But they were neck and neck right through the year. And, yeah, they, they were great players. And, and uh, it was good to see young players like that uh, performing. Yes, they were. Gary was, uh, I've often said this, was one of the best torpedo uh, kicks uh, for goal that I, you know, that I've seen in my time. He he was an expert with the with the the torpedo. Yeah, he's he's, he's kicked he kicked one goal in Walla. He must have been close to the centre of the ground. <laughs> it was an enormous kick, and he, he look he did that quite often and Gary's other uh, strength was his marking ability like he was a good mark and he was fairly strong you know physically he was certainly uh, a great to have him up in the forward line Could Micken now get the trifecta with a premiership in four weeks time but for now back to the final round with the results going as expected with Baldale knocking Howlong out of the finals race and Osmond beating Boree Creek to take fourth place and a first semi-final clash with Rand in the first semi-final. Noel Chapman and Murray Cook both kicked four goals for Baldale in their 71-point win over Howlong. Les Waldron finished with 62 goals and gained the most votes for the Magpies in the Azai medal with 14. Ken Kane and Peter Wiltshire both polled nine votes as 14 Baldale players polled in the count. 
Interestingly, in that era, coaches were not awarded league best and fairest votes by the umpires. St Paul's midfielder Bernie Abbott took out the Bill Thomas Trophy for the best and fairest in the juniors, finishing a whopping 19 votes ahead of runner-up Grant Stewart from Bocklesby. A superb eight-goal haul from Peter Matthews highlighted Rand's narrow seven-point win over Osborne in the first semi-final of Walbundry. The win was the first in a final by Rand in eight years and advanced them in to the preliminary final. Baldire went into the second semi-final at Walbundry without giant ruckman Peter Wiltshire, still recovering from a hamstring injury. They were also attempting to become the fourth team in the league's history to go through a season undefeated. The Magpies' opponent was Waller, who had won 14 of its last 15 matches and boasted the best finals record in the league, having missed the finals just twice in the last 15 years. After an even first quarter, Baldale took control, with the star being fullback Brian Cottam, who kept Gary Micken goalless. This was the first time for the season Micken did not score a goal in a match. Dick Grimman played a great leader's game for Baldale, while Frank Cook kicked five goals and Murray McCook three. Les Waldron was superb with two goals and Dennis Hutton did a great job in the ruck in the absence of Peter Wiltshire. John Hodges bagged four goals for Waller while Cess Culhagen was awarded best of field in the losing side. The preliminary final at Walbundry produced one of the all-time best finals matches in the league's history with the game in dispute until the final kick of the game. Rand forward flanker Dave Robinson had a shot on the run as the final siren sounded but could only manage a point that delivered Waller a pulsating five-point victory despite kicking one less goal. Sharpshooter Peter Matthews ran, he kicked eight goals and Gary Micken kicked six for Waller. This enthralled the large crowd as Waller kicked eight goals in the first quarter and then ran answered with 10 in the second quarter as 23 majors were kicked in the first half. Merv Wegner, who starred for Waller, spoke about the match. That was a, a tough game. We were close all day. And in games like that, you have to use a fair bit of energy. <laughs> and uh, the, the, we, we certainly um, had that. It was a, a pressure game all the way through and, and uh, we were lucky to, to, to win it. We only won by five points. When, um, our uh, kicking for goal that day was pretty ordinary. <laughs> a bit inaccurate, but by the same token, Rand put pressure on us, and uh, yeah, it was an enjoyable game because Rand then had a, a very good team. We had some great battles with Rand, and uh, to beat them was uh, quite an achievement, we felt. So, for the first time in the league's history, Baldale and Waller would clash in a grand final, with Baldale looking to complete an unbeaten season with a grand final victory and its first premiership since 1962. Waller's last premiership was two years previous when they beat Walbundry by a point. Baldale had 13 players from the previous year playing in the grand final. Waller's underdog status was further enhanced as they were missing Roger Klemke and Graham Scholes through injury and Rob Fewhart unavailable. They were, however, getting coach Bruce Diffie back after missing the preliminary final. Baldale took a punt and included ruckman Peter Wiltshire with Jimmy Everett, the unlucky player, omitted. Waller ruckman Merv Wegner said the Hoppers had nothing to lose and all the pressure was focused on Baldale. Yeah, we weren't at full strength, uh, but it was a great challenge for us because uh, we really had nothing to lose. We hadn't beat all year and grand finals are always uh, great days. I, I've played in a number of them and uh, look, it's great to win them. Uh, it, the, the other thing is it's great to be in them. It was the first time that the league had decided to have um, the finals at Warbundry 
which was another a plus I felt in a way because well Bundy Ground, plenty of space, open footy. It was a good venue for for these games and uh, yeah the challenge certainly was there for us uh, we were and and the good thing about was that uh, we did compete well with them on that particular day because they certainly were a good side oh they had some top players when, when you go through uh, a season undefeated uh, front up in a grand final where you haven't lost a game there is certainly a lot of pressure because uh, in some ways it's better to lose a game just before the finals if you've gone to undefeated see the same thing we, we had the same experience playing Wabundry one year they went through undefeated and we beat them in the grand final so yes it's not the not the best experience the lead paragraph in the border mail best described the 1972 grand final in one of the greatest grand finals in the history of the Hume League, Baldale survived a determined bid by the young Waller combination to become undefeated premiers for 1972. A stunning brand of football was played during the first quarter, with Baldale sharpshooter Frank Cook kicking five of the Magpies' six goals. Waller kicked five themselves in what was a brilliant spectacle. The punt on playing ruckman Peter Wiltshire, however, backfired with the big Baldale Ruckman lasting just five minutes with a recurrence of a hamstring injury. Nonent man, Freddie Williams, came on as a replacement. Waller went into half-time, leading by six points after a dominant four-goal-to-one second term. They then increased the margin to 18 points with another possession-based quarter as things started to heat up with physical clashes aplenty as Baldale wasted opportunities, kicking three goals 11 from quarter-time to three-quarter time while the Grasshoppers had added eight gold six to lead by 18 points at the last break. John Fowler, who was boundary umpire in the game, said things changed in the third quarter. Yeah, first final series at Walbundry in 1972. So it was a new venture and Walbundry had the catering because it was their ground and, um, yeah, I got the job of running the boundary. And Baldale had won every game of the year, Waller being pretty young side and with the likes of, as I medalist, Merv Wagner playing well. They were in, in front at half-time and um, things changed a bit after half-time. What was the most significant change? Things got a bit fiery, didn't they? Yeah, as you see in some grand finals, there was a couple of decent dust-up and, uh, yeah, I was close, witnessed them and uh, been on the boundary and Merv Wagner got hurt pretty severely and come off second best and had to go off and he was dominating the ruck. That had a big effect and then there was another dust-up in the last quarter. Or Cesc Colhagen was a very good back flanker. I think a BNF winner at Waller. He got his cheekbone broken in a dust-up. That had an effect because he was giving him a lot of drive. So, yeah, Baldale being physically stronger and with a very talented, experienced, a lot of O&M players, eventually crawled their way back into the game and, um, and end up winning by five points. An incident and subsequent dust-up in the third quarter resulted in veteran Waller Ruckman, Merv Wegner, not returning for last quarter with blurred vision and concussion. Wegner, who was best to field until the incident, recalls the moment. Yeah, I was uh, bending down to pick up the ball and, uh, yeah, got this knock on the head and uh, I had just a slight concussion. And, yeah, and it was a shame because uh, I was enjoying the game and then to have to... Uh, and bow out halfway through the third quarter was disappointing from my point of view. I said, oh, I feel all right. Anything I can't see. <laughs> so that, that, that what the concussion was doing to me and uh, I just had blurred vision. Yeah, very disappointing because I couldn't see the end of the game. At the Baldale three-quarter time huddle, the troops were given a real rev up by Grimmin. But it wasn't Coach Grimmin 
it was, in fact, his wife, Jill, who made a cameo appearance as Alan Chapman and then Dick Grimman explained. Three-quarter time, we were struggling. We was, it was hot and hard and they were running around looking pretty fit and uh, the boys were, had their heads down a little bit and Jill came out on the ground at three-quarter time, Jill Grimman. Dick was a, is a fairly quiet man when he, he talks in a controlled way and carefully, but he didn't say much and a lot needed to be said. And I've got to tell you this, Jill didn't miss any and didn't miss anybody. She was into us and, uh, you know, she explained in very clear terms that we were letting Dick down and Paul Dale down and not only that, this was Waller. Surely we weren't going to allow Waller to win that game. I really think it had the desired effect because the boys came back in that last quarter and I'll tell you what, a lot of those blokes were struggling at three-quarter time. I, I know how they felt because <laughs> everyone was sort of, it, it was so hard and they seemed to be getting stronger, not, uh, you know, not falling away. But anyway, the boys got up and into it. The rest is history. Well, there's a funny thing about it because Dick's never really talked much about it and I remember it very clearly because with all my games of footy I've played, and that's hundreds of games, never, I've never I've seen never a coach's wife on the ground even, let alone having a bit to say to the players. No, Jill said it all and she said it well. I was sitting down, I was buggered on the ground and the um, next thing I hear, my wife, Jill's come off the fence, never in her life has she been on a football ground. And she's into them, all of them. <laughs> You're letting my husband down and it's about time you, yeah, you, she give him a real rev up. Hey. Took over the coach's address hey. at hey. three-quarter time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still said my bit after, but she, yeah. she went around the ring and give him all a bit of a tune-up. <laughs> and it had the desired effect. Not long after the start of the final quarter, Les Waldron, with his ears still ringing from the Jill Grimman serve, found himself with a shot on gold and another bit of advice from Jill, as Les explains. Down by three goals at three-quarter time. And Dick made some changes. He put me onto a half-forward flank. And I'll never forget that because we were uh, first to break up at the huddle and went to our position. I was on the half-forward flank near the clubhouse at Walla supporters, after listening to Bruce Diffie's speech at three-quarter time, had to f- filter through me. And, a, and Cyril Hoffman, a great mate and a good bloke, Al Cyril, <laughs> had transports at Walla, said to me, how are you feeling now, Waldron, about your prize team, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Trick Al said, feeling now? He said, Waldron, Anyway... Did uh, you catch up with Cyril after the game? I did, I did, and uh, we ended up winning by five points, and he said to me later, he said, Geez, you were lucky to win, Les. I said, you were lucky to be there, Cyril. You only won by five points the week before against Rand. Actually, <laughs> Rand asked us to beat you by five points to see what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you tell us the start? I think the last quarter you might have kicked the first goal. Yeah, we were three goals down and uh, Dick's put me on a half-forward flank and the ball come out, went over our head and Cess Cole Hagen. Uh, and we were running, chasing the ball to the boundary. I was in front of Cess and it went out. It was I could see it was going, I couldn't get to it before it went out of bounds and I sort of propped and he ran in the back of me, knocked me over. So the umpire gave me a free kick, which I thought was very lucky to get it. Did you put a bit of mayo on it? Of course he did. No, it? no, no, no. <laughs> he just ran in the back. I sort of stopped when I saw the ball going out and he cannoned into me anyway. That boy gave me a free kick. I was 40-odd metres out on an angle. Dick's wife was there. you got to kick this, Leslie. Oh, Jill was back. Jill was back. She was in your Jill ear. Jill was back in my ear. <laughs> anyway, I went back and put the old torp and went straight over the umpire's head. And I think maybe that 
Because we kicked the next four, four, four goals. We yeah. kicked five in a row to hit the front by about 11 or 12 points. Getting back to say we were lucky, I don't think so because no. good sides, and we were a good side, we come from, you know, behind to win it. Had we lost it, they would have probably said Waller were the best side for 72. But really they wouldn't have been because we'd won 19 previous to that. We proved that we're a good side by coming back and winning. Yeah, and getting over there. And yeah. getting back to Dick. He had a wonderful last quarter. He said he was tired, but he was inspiration. I can't remember. He was inspiration. Really? Things got worse early in the final term when Waller defender Cesc Colhagen suffered a cheekbone injury in another incident that had the Waller supporters fuming. Alan Chapman said it was a very physical second half and the loss of Wegner was a huge game changer. We'll admit against Waller that day that some different things happened and there was so Peter Wiltshire, who was the absolute gun ruckman for us, and against the absolute gun ruckman in the human league, of course, with Moogwood, but he didn't get past the first three minutes. You know, he had a leg injury, he probably should have never gone, been picked in the side, but he was such an important player. So we were out without that Ruckman right from the start and of course Merv's uh, dominance of the game in the first two, two and a half quarters. It's really what, that was very difficult and they had little blokes of course fed off Merv and you could see what happened but when Merv went off with his unfortunate clash it, it, it changed the complexion of the game a bit. Oh, Merv was terrific here, Merv, Merv uh, Waller, they, they were a good side and they come out to win that game. Merv is a highly skilled ruckman and of course they had those little blokes like Johnny Hodges and Cesc uh, Hagen and a little bloke on the wing, Lynch. Geez, they were good, fast, you know, and I know how good Johnny Hodges was because I was on him and all of them were good, fast and quick and they were the ones that were doing the damage early on. Yeah, as the game went on, they, they perhaps in particular, there was a lot of physical clashes I think mostly the Bulldog blokes come out on top of that. And I think that started to tell on Waller in the last quarter in particular. There was a lot of biffo in that third quarter in particular after Merv got hit and then there was an all-in there for a while. And Johnny and I stood back there in the, on the half-back flank and we just discussed the fact that we weren't going anywhere near it. You know, I was just looking out over the ground and there was quite a few people having a lie down, you know. Most of them had green Guernseys. Yeah, well, Adrian, I think, was playing in the back pocket and he yeah, he was having a very heated discussion with his opponent, discussing their uh, legitimacy of their parentage. And then I look back and Adrian's opponent was also having a, adopted that horizontal position. So, you know, I'm not saying it was a great thing, but it happened and, and I think that had an impact on the game. Baldale's 20th man, Mick Seymour, was thrown into the game at the start of the final term with great effect to combat the lack of leg speed as the Magpies' physical presence started to turn the game as they kicked the first five goals of the last quarter to rest back the lead as on-ballers Kenny Kane, Johnny Hamilton, Mick Seymour and Les Waldron clicked into gear. They deliberately left me off the ground till um, till after the ball was bound, and then I come on. Yeah, it was a bit of a tag, just so that they reckoned I'd get tagged. So they, uh, oh, it's sort of, you know, I, we sort of outsmarted them a little bit there. I'd paid a bit of footy, and yeah, went on the ball. And when when Merv went off, he did. Uh, he he dominated the ruck, and then our ruckman sort of took over then. So we got used to the ball then, and I just kept running. And we were lucky we got out of that okay, you know, at the finish. But yeah, then Hutton took over it. They chucked me on the other bloody on top of their shoulders a little bit because I was a bit of a hero for a little while. I fired him up a little bit. I started to yap a bit and um, yeah, got into him and I, I made a bit of noise while I was out there, I can tell you. 
Frank Cook's sixth goal put Baldile in front at the 22nd minute mark. And when Tommy Grock booted another, the Magpies looked home, leading by 11 points. However, Waller were not done yet, with Gary Micken kicking his fourth goal to reduce the margin back to five points with a minute of play and the crowd in a frenzy. Baldile defender Alan Chapman recalls the final moments ahead of the siren. It was a brilliant victory. They were, I think Baldo were about 11 points up with uh, might have been five or six minutes to go. And then uh, I think Gary Micken took a really spectacular mark and, and kicked a goal right with only a minute to go. And that brought it up to the five points. But then they attacked again within the last minute or two, because I know that because the ball came around the wing and one of the few times in the day that I was able to run out and take a mark, which I did do, and I'm not a great kick. And I can remember those people yelling at me, you know, on the on the boundary, you know, kick it, chap, you most, most of those blokes knew what sort of a kick I was. <laughs> I was a bit nervous about what I was going to do, but luckily I was able to kick it over onto the wing and I think Johnny Hamilton or someone took it and then the whistle went there. It was the biggest relief in my life because the one thing you never want to do is lose a grand final with a crook kick within the last minute. <laughs> and, and you can still remember that siren, the bell going? Oh, geez, yeah. I sure can because it was such a relief. Yeah. The final score was Baldale, 14-17, 101 to Waller, 14-12-96. Bob Thompson, who won the club's best and fairest in 1972, was named the Magpies' best, with Dick Grimman, Ken Kane, Les Waldron, Johnny Hamilton and Dennis Hutton, others to shine. The victory completed an undefeated season for Baldale, winning all 20 matches and its first flag since 1962 and just the fourth team to go through undefeated in the league's 28-year history. Celebrations were back at the Ballale pub with Savaloys and beer on the menu. Injured ruckman Merv Wegner recalls a story that he was involved in at the Hume League presentation evening just 11 days after the grand final. Alan Closey was the president of, the, of that year and of course uh, he didn't uh, seek re-election uh, yeah I don't know why I did but I <laughs> I was elected president and it was interesting uh, with that in those days, you know, when a team uh, wins a premiership, they have a banquet, the done thing. And, and of course, they hadn't had the banquet yet before our annual meeting. So who has to go along and uh, represent the club at the um, the banquet was, was me. So Judy and I went along and, yeah, and I had to propose a toast to them, which, uh, yeah, look, that was okay. That's part of uh, footy and uh, you've got to accept defeat and success and how it works out. But it was, yeah, it was that, uh, quite an experience, yeah. There you go. Poor old move. The following year, Dick Grimman, after signing up again for the next year at presentation night, actually became coach of Mitty United in the Tullangran District Football League. Grimman explains how this played out as the first sign of the club's demise were becoming evident. We had the ball at the at the Baldale Hall and everything went swimmingly, blah, blah, blah. Leslie made the uh, announcement uh, that I was going next year. Why wouldn't you? Undefeated premiers, blah, blah, blah. I got in the border mail. I, I looked for it. I couldn't find it. Uh, King Richard takes on Baldale again. But then we went to the AGM when the season started out there and uh, old Mr Wilson, he come up to me and just said, we we can't keep doing this. We can't get boundary, goal umpires, that sort of stuff. No, it was him and a couple of others. I, I don't know. I said, well, if you don't want to keep going, I don't want to keep going because Mitter had come and seen me. Mitter had come and saw Dick, yeah. In the meantime, so I said, oh, well, if you don't want to keep going, and our little mate kept him going. And I went to Meta. 
At the reopening of the Baldile pub in November 2019, Tommy Grock, who has since deceased, surprised all in attendance with the presentation of the game football used in the 1972 grand final, as Alan Chapman explains. Tommy Grock, he grabbed hold of that footy after the match and uh, he had it mounted on a, some sort of display, a timber one, and he presented that. Now, that was last December when we had the last of our reunions out at the Baldale pub when they first opened out there. We went out a few weeks later and big turn-up of Baldale blokes, and, and Tommy presented that to the pub. So that was the actual footy from that day, and it's out there now. Tommy had had it all that time. I think he was... Uh, Tommy's not with us anymore, as you know. He might have even had a bit of an idea that that was around the corner. But anyway, whatever, he presented the footy and he, he'd hung on to it very uh, carefully and never told anyone. No, I don't think anyone knew he had it. Anyway, that's it. It's a wonderful thing and it's a great thing that the pub has now rejuvenated and up and running because it is a little bit of a base for the old bald old blokes to go back to and, and we're, we're doing that. Well, we've got the big reunion next year, of course, for 50 years, so uh, no, we'll, be, we'll be out there for that one. In 1972, with Baldar winning so many games, it was decided early that a club song was needed. Well, here it is. Take it away, boys. Dick and uh, Mike Marnie, who we should mention, he was a tremendous help. He was the, the head trainer and manager of the Manager team. of our team, so, yeah. And Dick and him got together and appropriately they made it to roll out the barrel. Mm, yeah. Of course, yeah. we used to roll plenty of them out. <laughs> but Roll Out the Barrel was our theme song. Same song, yeah. How'd it that. go? You got a few... Dick, Dick's the singer. He'll sing it for you. Can you remember it, Dick? Yeah. How's it going? Oh, where the champs from Baldale, the mighty Maggies are here. Let's stick together and we will make it this year. Courage and teamwork will make us the team they all fear. Now's the time to stick to Baldale and we'll be premiers this year. Baldale, despite winning its last four games of the 1973 home and away season, had played its last competition match. They played one practice game in 1974 and after being included in the initial Hume Football League draw for the 1974 season, withdrew just weeks before the first round, as the final siren had sounded on the Baldale Magpies. Just one season after one of the club's greatest ever achievements, the 1972 Hume Football League Premiership. And that team was, from the back line, Bob Thompson, Brian Cottam, Bob Rahali, halfbacks, Adrian Chisnell, Joe Anderson, Alan Chapman. The centre line, John Hamilton, Dick Grimman, John Harris. Half forwards, Mal McAuliffe, Murray McCook, Noel Chapman. The forward line, Peter Wiltshire, Frank Cook, Les Waldrum, the Rucks, Dennis Hutton, Ken Kane, and Tommy Grock. The reserves, Freddie Williams and Mick Seymour. The emergency was Jimmy Everett. Well, what a cracking story that was. Sadly, Baldale only played the one more season before going into recess. A huge thank you to episode sponsors, Federation Council, Our Town Baldale Incorporated, Laser Electrical Aubrey-Wodonga and the Waldron family for making it all possible. And a reminder that if you want your team's magical sporting moment relived, get in touch with us at Glory Days. 
But for now, thank you for listening. Stay safe, keep smiling, and we'll catch you next time on Glory Days.